0: Um, especially with, with their experience in having to deal with a blown-up Kickstarter that went beyond their capabilities, essentially. All righty. Well, now that it's, it's set, just stonemeyer
1: Stonemaier. S-T-O-N-E-M-A-I-E-R. Yeah,
2: yeah. I spelled all weird. Uh, <laughs> gotta be let's mean. do introductions. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, hey there. I am Kyle Cardy. Uh, I am a freelance graphic designer and writer. Uh, I have had uh, several... Kickstarters I've been a part of Several Kickstarters Most recently I was on the uh, Role playing game Red Markets As the uh, Lead graphic designer I was on the Deadlands uh, Double shot Kickstarter As a writer I've run several Of my own For board games Role playing games You name it Um all but one was successful, and the one that failed was my first one. And uh, I learned I a
0: kids. lot from failure, as is usually the case. Y'all right there. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> I think you got plenty of books. I do. And uh, I'm Andreas Walters. I am a, I guess, a publisher. Um, I've started four, five years ago, creating third-party card content for Monte Cook Games, and then I started kick-starting my own products. And eight. Kickstarters later, I'm known for the baby, most known for the baby bestiary, and I am now working as a publisher helping other people produce and kickstart their games, whether it's obtaining art, crafting their Kickstarter projects to success, or anything else that publishers need or creators need to get published.
1: Uh, I'm Mike Myler, I've run six Kickstarters. I'm unique in that I am not a publisher, I am a dude who makes books, and then I have people publish those books. Uh, these are four of said books. Uh, I've only grossed about what forty-two thousand or something like that. Uh, you're way higher
0: than that. You're like what one hundred and twenty? No, no, not one hundred and twenty. I got sixty. Uh, well, I mean, add them all together. Oh, yeah, yeah, one hundred and fifty. Yeah. One hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so I'm more the the proletariat Kickstarter guy. Mm-hmm. If you're like, oh shit, this isn't working, come talk to me. I, I am the, the guy to talk to for that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, and I, I work with a bunch of different companies, and I'm a full-time freelancer. I do everything except for illustrations at
0: this point. What? You don't, we don't want your sketch art? Your uh, I, cannot,
1: I cannot. <laughs> the $1 RPG?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: can do graphic uh, books and I can do oh maps, boy. but I yeah, can't I know. do That's a project uh, illustrations. Tell. I'm really
0: good at working public domain. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right, so I guess to start off, again, with the question of what do you want to know or what do you want to get out of this um, in terms of what you're looking for, so... I know some people come in with direct questions knowing what they want to have answered or hoping to have answered, and so I'd like to have those addressed at least when we try and cover them. Um, but otherwise, mm-hmm. then I guess we can just take the floor if no one has any questions.
3: Um, I guess uh,
4: just kind of want to know where to start. Uh, I like, I guess... Uh, like, you know what the target audience is, but... Um,
0: Are you a creator? Yeah, we're... we're like a we're, tabletop we're, RPG? We're a tabletop game,
4: yeah.
0: Okay, a full game standalone? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay.
1: No right. dice, no boards, no. no uh, the only physical product is the book? Oh, well,
4: I mean, you know, pieces, dice, things like that.
2: Custom uh, dice? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No.
4: Okay. Yeah, okay. We're, we're not that far. We have like, that prototype, but that's about it. So okay. You're,
2: you're looking for the role playing game, not the board game side?
4: Uh, no. Board, well, it, it, board it, game. It, it is a it's, it's like a strategy board game, kind of like
1: actually. Okay. Okay. Board game's a little bit of a different monster than book.
2: Yeah, it's. So, when you want to approach a board game, um. It's a little bit different than taking care of like a role-playing game book, in that you want to have uh, uh, basically everything done. It needs to be almost completely finished playtesting. You want to have mock-ups. If you could have uh, like a proof-of-concept sample, full art, or at game the very models. least like, two-thirds of your art done, because that's what people want to see with a board game, because it's not so much like a written content from the, a book.
0: The expectations of the board game industry are much higher, just based on... It's almost a pre, it's essentially a pre-sales platform in the sense you look at a board game where they see a game, it is done, the art, or at least graphically through the video and the content that's on the Kickstarter page, a board game has to be visually done or completed when they look at that Kickstarter. They will know how the game runs. Usually there are reviews by people of that game. There's a lot of pre-launch work that goes into making sure a board game is successful. Yeah. You want to be eighty percent done before you put that. And I would say
1: up. make sure that you have contracts already in place for all your physical materials, mm. because if they up price on you after the Kickstarter is ended and before you're able to fulfill, then you're just going to eat a lot of costs. Cost. Yeah, because they can jump
0: cost. it from that. Yeah. Um, but to start off, then, I guess, if there's any other questions, or and
1: beware of shipping outside the United States.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a running theme. Uh,
2: international shipping will kill you.
1: Well, it uh, depends on where. Like, if you go into... Australia? Yeah, Australia sucks.
2: Uh, getting any, anything into the Netherlands cost about 40 bucks minimum. Uh, I had some problems with Lithuania when I made a, like, tabletop build-your-board card game.
0: Uh, I had a couple purchases in, like, Romania and Lithuania. Those were very expensive. Yeah. I had a Russian one where I had to get, like, the ID of the person living it was going to. Yeah. So Customs asked for the ID of the person. It's like, okay, there's Becker! A uh... And
1: if you're not going to handle your own distribution... The smart thing to do is just pay the 3% for back
0: 3 yeah, back, so, well, we'll, go, we'll get into that post-Kickstarter. Sure, sure. Um, so to start off, pre-Kickstarter, um, well, first of all, you have a product that you want to bring to Kickstarter. So right off the bat, like, what I do is I try to define that product. What is my minimum viable product? What can I show as a product so that when someone looks at a Kickstarter page, they know what they're getting? So usually that comes down to page layouts, to um, book mock-ups that you can do with, like, Photoshop. Um, there's a couple helpful tools, like, um, I think they're called PSD Covers. Uh, it's, like, a free tool where you can take a image and then it will project that onto a book so that you can kind of get, like, this is what the book will look like when it's printed. Um, it's called PSD Covers. Um, the problem is with those books is they're, like... 300 pages thick <laughs> so it's not the best representative unless you're making a 300 it's a physical book. mock-up of the book from the outside not yeah. really the interior pages yeah. there can there actually are ones of interior yeah uh, well, layouts, I, but... I want
1: to touch on that actually because I I I should be grossing much higher on my kickstarters but I am stubborn and very blue collar so I, I make like small PDFs that show you like this is exactly what you're going to get
0: mm, Ashcan and, kind of
1: yeah, so like for the people who get the book, they're almost I've never had anybody dissatisfied with any of my Kickstarters whatsoever. But a lot of people pledge to Kickstarter because they're pledging to the dream. And their final realization of your dream may be ten percent different, but they'll still be happier with the product, and if you hand it to them differently at the start, they won't pledge to you. So you have to decide if you want to sell the product or if you want to sell the dream of the product. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make more money, you'll sell the dream of the product.
0: Yeah, Kickstarter is weird in that sense. It as is. As the pre-sale, what it originally meant as the dream funding versus the pre-sale, yeah. what it's starting to become. And that that unfortunately requires people to be a lot more upfront in what they're trying to accomplish and effort done in what the product realization is.
1: And I should note that uh, Kickstarters are, are tabletops, so board game and RPG Kickstarters, are responsible of like 33% of their funding so far of this yeah. year. And 25%... all all over Kickstarter's existence.
2: We overtook um, video video game and movie production uh, this year for the first time. So as far as
1: running a Kickstarter product, running an RPG or tabletop is one of the more likely things you can do that will succeed on Kickstarter.
2: So, pre-Kickstarter, before you even start making the page, (laughs) just real quick show of hands, who is more interested in doing board games and who is more interested in doing books and, like, tabletop? So, like, board games, hands... Okay, a lot of hands and uh, tabletop books. Okay, about fifty. Man. So about fifty-fifty. <laughs> so we're gonna do okay. our best to talk about both, I guess. Yep. Um, so, how do you start the process for like, let's say, the first baby Beast year? Like, okay. How? Like, what did you do before the Kickstarter was even like page created?
0: So I had a concept. Uh, it was, um, what would a baby adorable monster look like? And I wanted to do a lore book on it, and so I looked for the best artist that could do that. And for me, that was the people who did the D and D fifth edition art. Um, that happened to be Conceptopolis, who did a mo- majority of their artwork, um, in addition to a, bu- a bunch of others. So I reached out to them and I pitched, kind of pitched them on the concept and commissioned three pieces of what I envisioned it to be. I wanted baby baby griffins, a baby phoenixes, and a baby chimera. And that kind of started the whole thing. And actually, that's what I kickstarted with. And the book it actually completely pivoted from that, because I was originally going to do a calendar with prints, and that turned into a 100 page book. Uh, yeah, it, it went way different than I expected to. and it actually costed me um, a little bit of money after the Kickstart, even though it overfunded because I was now on the hook for calendars, on the hook for prints. Each required individual shipping, of course, because um, you can't loop those all together. Um, but yeah, I in, I started off with three pieces of art, and I got a team of people who were willing to work on the project and a vision. Like, people signed up said, yes, I will write for this project, so I have a little team list. And then that was pretty much it. Like, I figured out... I had the concept, and I put went on to Kickstarter. Kind of did my rough costs on. Oh, a calendar costs this much. Okay. Oh, if I need, you know, we're gonna do twelve beasts. Here's how much it costs to do twelve beasts in art. How much it does to do? Um, how many backers would that equate to? Plus the costs of minuses and the art, and then what? And kind of did a guesstimate on what percentage digital the print backers would be. So it was all a guess. It's that, it's, that, <laughs> it's that rough estimation, yeah,
2: of like how much time is going to go in, and then how much am I going to make back? So, oh, I wanna, didn't look at making it's anything back.
0: Budget, man. All my all my it's budget important. went to the project. Yeah, like I did not make. I hardly still make <laughs> money on my projects. Yeah, dude, because on I on the reinvest. Front end.
1: Not on the front end. No,
0: no, I I invest all my Kickstarter funds into the project, and I think that's intentional because the margins are hard to push otherwise. Because even on Volume 2, like, my budgets are two-thirds art, essentially. So there's not much margin for me to go for per- self paying myself a couple, <laughs> a thousand or two even.
1: Yeah, if you're making an RPG book, you ready to spend uh, most of your money on art.
0: That's where most of your money is going to go. Yeah, yeah. Writing, writing's cheap. Art Writing and editing is yeah. so cheap. Compared to art. art. Yeah, compared yeah. to art, yes, it's so cheap.
2: So when you commissioned the
1: artist, um, you, did you have to pay up front?
0: Yeah. I paid out of pocket $1,500. So,
1: I have not been doing that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't either. I've have been talking to my artists, and like, I have a really good relationship with them, and now they're very confident in me because we got six Kickstarters off the ground, so like, I promise the money after the Kickstarter funds, and if I don't, if the Kickstarter doesn't fund them, they get to keep the art and do whatever on earth they want to do with it.
0: And that said, on my most recent project, I actually signed a contract with the artist, and After the Kickstarter funded, she got paid, and then the rights transferred to me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it happened later, but for this specific project, since it was like my second Kickstarter ever, um, it was just that arrangement. Uh,
2: And for a third approach uh, to dealing with artists and setting up contracts, when I do my graphic design, I have a specific uh, contract that I like to use, and it's the same contract that I offer to a lot of the people that I hire. Uh, I refer to it as a benchmark contract. It comes in three discrete blocks. So uh, to apply it to art, I say, I talk to the artist, I say, hey, I would like this piece, uh, and then we work through that. The first benchmark is going to be uh, 25% of of the total fee, and that is a, a sketch, and that is where most of the uh, edits and uh, you know constructive criticism and revisions and feedback is going to come in because they haven't put work into it yet, really. So then they'll get 25% then, and then typically uh, the Benchmark 2 is going to be flats, uh, basic color. inking, color, uh, and that's going to be another 25%. And then the finished product, which is basically, that's it. There's no more revisions unless it's like, oh, uh, the shading in this section, is there any way we could just touch that up? A hair. Uh, and then that's the last 50%. And then that way, at any point in the benchmark process, they can back out or I can back out. And the contract basically um, protects me because I'm not putting it all up front. And then I can take it to another artist to finish it up if, you know, forbid anything happens oh, to the artist. Idea. That's interesting. Oh, I can send you a copy of what I use yeah, if you want. that's yeah. yeah. the concept thing, I had I want to touch on the budget real quick, and then we're going to get to you, man. So when
1: you're setting up your budget, because you've got to figure out your budget for how much you're going to ask for, Right. A, Amazon and Kickstarter are going to take 12% from you.
4: Right. Yeah. B,
1: you're going to lose 1% to 2% of your pledges after the Kickstarter ends before you actually get the money, which takes about two weeks. Slightly A- slower.
4: Slightly slower. <laughs> He's taking notes. I'm where dude, I'm <laughs> oh. Like, oh. People are taking notes. So if this, this is the guy who's serious about doing this. He says, yeah. Right. Uh, so budget,
1: Amazon
0: and Kickstarter will take 12 from you, 12%. Yeah, each year total. Well, technically, Set it's together. around nine, ten totally, 10%. Total. And then the 2%, like 3% of backer kit. So. It's so. really, really 12%. 12% is yeah, what they take. It's a,
2: yes.
0: st- it's a static number. To,
2: so
1: Kickstarter's going to take how much? Kickstarter, Visa, and Amazon together, in my experience, take 12%. Of yeah.
0: Of yes. oh, what, yeah. uh, what your final money is. And the final money That's is not gone. what the final goal is. And that includes the shipping raised in Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Because that adds to your total. all right, hold on, let me let me start with an example, okay, let me start with an example okay? So say we get four thousand dollars for our Kickstarter,
1: okay? We're only gonna get twelve percent of that four thousand dollars, which is uh, it should be better than that, three thousand five hundred and eighty bucks. Uh, of that, we will not actually get three thousand five hundred eighty bucks because in the two weeks it takes for them to like send the money through bank accounts, people will cancel on their pledges, their their cards will reject it. Uh, you know shit happens. and you will lose probably two to three percent of those people. So your actual budget ends up, like, you have to plan for that when you're, you're setting up your thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you can add it up looking at the 5% Kickstarter, 3 to 5% credit card transactions, 1% to 2% loss, 3% backer kit. It all adds up to 15%. around 13. 15% is good because it gives you a 2% yeah, buffer. I try to give myself a buffer. yeah. yeah. And that usually gets used. Um, so you had a question.
4: Um, when you... Of an artist who for you. do you negotiate the rights
1: to be exclusively yours for the artwork or do you usually share it with the artist? It's uh, specific to who you're talking to. Yeah. For me, I leave them the rights to do their own prints and otherwise it's my image.
0: Yeah, so that's actually a very common one is usual the oh, the owner, I guess the commissioner owns the product or owns the art and then the artist retains the right for um was it? Catalog? Not catalog. Uh, uh, portfolio, portfolio. And then mm-hmm. usually con prints and stuff like that. So <laughs> if they go to a show, they can do prints of it if they want. And then that's their money. It's it's considered good etiquette because they can't sell
2: it commercially, but they can sell it sort of for themselves. Like they won't be able to license it to another product. And some
0: artists have actually structures for
1: yeah, dedicated a really ownership. A smart mm-hmm. who, like, there's this piece in here I know she's made hundreds of oh, dollars no. on prints from. <laughs> Because you bought it, too? <laughs> no, I didn't buy it, too. I was tempted to, because it is nice. But I think my wife would be mad if I put it up.
2: Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> Smart walker. Right? So while
2: he's looking for that... Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, she sold dozens and dozens and dozens of these prints. I haven't seen it.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I've seen that floating around in some of the some of the online groups.
1: Yeah, it's a really sweet piece. And, like, you know, we talked about it while we were doing it. And I want her to
0: maximize her money. And so then in return, she gives me greater breaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're looking for a shoestring budget, you could do, you're just licensing the piece for this project. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have no ownership except for this project, so you could like um, have rights to remix, essentially, um, but only for this project. And so they can continue to sell it, which should get you a much better rate on the piece, especially if you're commissioning it or if it has broad appeal. Yeah. that they could sell it to other publishers or other indie publishers. Yeah. Sole licensing
2: rights are typically, in my experience, but like that's 50% good. more expensive than
0: if they can shop it around. Most of them are, most artists are usually the exclusive, but it depends on which artists you're dealing with. Um, some have actual, like, pay structures based on size, color, line, detail, And then licensing, there's actually a structure. I think um, uh, Jess Shields is an artist that does that. He has his website all set up with that table. Um, But outside of that, I don't see it that often.
1: I would also touch on the importance of buying labor in bulk, which is a weird thing to talk about or say. Oh, buying art? Mm -hmm. Not just art, everything in bulk. So, uh, like, Varanthea Codex was the first thing I did, and I had a team of, like, 24 people. And A, you spend a lot of time communicating with all those people. And that's time that you could be spending writing and doing other stuff. So I'm <laughs> vertically integrating. And in the last project I kick-started, I only have one artist, mm-hmm. and she's doing a shit ton of art, and I'm getting it on a much lower scale than I
0: would be paying if I was hiring four artists to do the same amount of work. Full time. Because
1: yeah, she's basically gonna be doing full time for
0: like two months. I did the same thing with an artist. I had yeah. him for four months.
1: So like if <laughs> full-time you
0: know, a full time art it takes This
1: person's work, and you have a good working relationship. That's what I do. Because yeah. you'll save six600 bucks.
4: Have any of you guys ever made a deck building game or a card game of any kind where you need like, you know, 108 pieces of concept not.
0: I of did, game. actually. Yes. Um, non-player cards games. was 400 pieces of art.
4: So do you, I mean, did you do this over like multiple artists? Did you have like one or one two? One artist. Oh, God. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Ever- uh, Aaron Eric. Uh, he's a Turkish artist. Phenomenal guy. He's actually a concept artist. Um, and he is available for hire. Um, What's that name again? E-R-E-N-A-R-I-K. Aaron Eric.
4: A-R-I-K?
0: Yes. Awesome dude. Um, and essentially, yeah, I kept him employed for like four months. Um, which actually, yeah, there's a cool story that he didn't actually have to go to mandatory military service because he was able to pay his way out of it with the contract. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I know. It's just like totally yeah, It's totally interesting. Uh, and then he got married, too, in that yeah. time, too. Uh, both, yeah. both contracts uh, were
2: <clears throat> almost always... Be cheaper. I'm doing the same thing right now. I'm trying to do like a tokusatsu, like Godzilla and Power Rangers themed uh, book that I'm prepping a Kickstarter for right now. And I spoke with uh, Michael Plondi. He's a fantastic uh, kind of semi-cartoony artist. I said, "Hey, listen, um, I'm going to need like five pieces for the Kickstarter cover included, um, but if the Kickstarter funds guaranteed, you're going to get at least you know 15 more mm-hmm. pieces uh, commissioned." Would we be able to work something out? And he knocked it down maybe like fifteen percent, which is super generous. Uh,
0: in my case, um, so like with Aaron, I had a kind of a working relationship with him before in my cipher products. Like he was doing most of my art because concept art is cheaper than full illustrations. So I actually, in my I guess my in not, I guess they're my indie days, um, my third party days is. My concept art was my staple. I would find concept artists on speedpaint groups and stuff like that, and I would pay them. Like Some of them aren't professional artists yet, but they're good at what they do. So I would let them price their work and then pay. Um, but in case of Aaron, what I did is how many pieces are you willing to do a week, and then we'll figure it out from there. And then schedule that out, and I did it both payments by month. So it's essentially having a salary. Or bi-monthly, um, and then we just had check-ins each week, and then he would send me files as he was finishing them, and it worked out really well. And I think we were only two weeks delayed on the art, on my initial art deadline, which is ridiculously good considering you put out that much art. Yeah, so. That's nuts. It's
1: also worth noting that if you can get your hands on like a world-class artist, it's gonna cost you primo money, it's also gonna get you primo attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, I paid Claudio Pose's, uh, more for this piece of artwork than I think any other artist in the entire book. And some of them mm-hmm. had a lot of pieces. But way more people look at the book because Claudio Post's A, his art freaking awesome. And B, they recognize his name. Like, oh, that's the guy from
2: Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Star Wars. Artists with oh. audiences. Yes, yes. Yeah. artists with audiences. Your cover needs
0: to pop. Yes. That that's what you need guess. to put
2: the most of your art budget into. Mean, oh, let's talk into. about this splash. But also
0: to also very true with your team too if you have people that are known or renowned or well known in circles like if I can get like Monty Cook onto a writing project well hell that's gonna get funded pretty quickly here's a million dollars Yeah, <laughs> we, got, we got two things this ties into the splash and then we're but, gonna get questions
1: um, so my vertical integration thing is awesome because I managed to build up an audience so it works for me if I was just a random dude on Facebook it was like, hey I want $6,000 to make this book uh, it would have to be an incredibly, incredibly good concept to be shared to fit into all the little social islands that have happened from social media. Mm-hmm. So the larger your team is, the greater your your marketing reach is going to be. Just because they hit the likes and stuff, you'll get access to all their friends and people follow. Blah, 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 blah. So the larger your team is, the easier it is to market. But the more time you're going to
2: spend managing, the more you're going to have to pay, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you then, need a social media presence to succeed. Like you can't just come onto the scene... And fund instantly. Like, I wonder... You need to, even if it's just casual, like that's how I sort of got my thing going. I, I met a couple of people from uh, role playing Public Radio. It's a podcast. And then that turned into me working on like an almost $100,000 Kickstarter. Like you need to be visible. Otherwise, no one's going to care. Or on the flip side, your team needs to be visible. Yeah.
0: yeah. For me, like when I did non-player cards, it was, you know, I'm a nobody who had a card idea about creating NPCs. And it was a 400-card concept, and it funded in the last three days. Mm-hmm. Like, I was literally posting on – I was – God, it was the worst push of my life. Um, <laughs> that, that was to say the most stressful Kickstarter I probably ever had um, because I was literally posting to social media groups every single day – well, not every single day, but every other day um, and rotating and making sure I hit the Google+, the bloggers. I – you have to be relentless, especially if you're a no one, and to get noticed in the attention. You will have, like, I would say honestly, I have expanded my social media network because of that, because I never knew like how deep Facebook or how deep Google Plus was in the RPG community. Mm. Is, I looked, I found out about the indie game developer network because I was looking into other successful Kickstarters of like, oh, what did they do, or where have they been, um, and finding other niche communities where my product might apply. But then you also have to be mindful of those group rules, like only post once a week, like on the D&D Facebook group. Or yeah, people will people will delete or ban you because of those things. So you have to be careful in where you do it. Follow the rules and yeah. <laughs> be nice. Yeah. That's the best way to start to establish yourself as a brand. And also bloggers. Blogger, people, content creators, they need content. Um, so if you have a good concept, get out there.
3: Sorry, I'm late. That's okay, that's oh, okay. Grab Careful. a chair. <laughs> Do you have a list of good...
0: Social media places? And honestly, it depends on where what your product is and where you're going, but I would say that there is a... You just need to look for it, and it will be there. But I would say Facebook, Twitter... Um, Reddit and Google are Plus are the major... Be very,
3: very careful about Reddit. Um, yes. You might <laughs> start a wildfire. And, and they, have the, they have the best bullshit detector on the planet. If they sniff that you're trying to market or sell something in a big way, they'll come at you.
0: Yeah, like even for my stuff, like it's like, hey, here's some new art. Yeah. It's for our new project. Isn't it cool art? Like, I don't want to bring attention to the project just showing off art to, like, side interest, and that was, like, yeah, That's one of the
1: reasons I do preview PDFs that have, like, shit of value
3: inside. Like, hey, here's my time class, guys.
1: Check it out. Also, it appears in this Kickstarter
3: that is linked in the PDF. And, the, and the, we, we had an easy way of doing it because I had, um...
2: And who are you? Oh, yeah, introduce so. yourself. <laughs> Hi, guys.
3: Uh, I'm Ivan Van Norman. Um... I that's a, a sweet fucking name.
4: Thank you. You. I know, it's like a band art. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's
3: a it's a name, guy, if son. I could have picked a name, like that's you don't even have the middle name yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh it's Baron with two R's.
0: No! Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> Thanks, Star Lord. You're welcome.
3: Um actually my kids even better. What, what am I later. doing here? Uh,
2: <laughs> so what, what do my people know you from?
3: Uh so uh on the Kickstarter end of things, uh, I'm most well known for running the tabletop season three campaign on Indiegogo uh, back in the day, but I also did a bunch of and campaigns for Peterson uh, Games, like the Sandy Peter Cthulhu Mythos, Sandy Peterson Cthulhu Mythos for Pathfinder, as well as like Onslaught 2 and Onslaught 3. That just released
1: the other month, right?
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah people like that. It. It, it, it's, it's a beautiful book. Yeah. You know? um, small book. And a, <laughs> a lot of good um, but <laughs> the, uh, uh That's mostly what it's... I also have the ABCs of RPGs which um, I want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I need Here to. You. It's been a busy day. So, <laughs> since i are still the on
1: pre Kickstarter just you. a little bit. You want to do your hype at least a month in advance. And I say this yeah. because people have paychecks, mm-hmm. they have to budget stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, never run anything after November, pretty much. November yeah. to December is just don't do it. Yeah.
2: I would say, in addition to that dead period, one of the worst uh, trends that I've noticed is Kickstarters running. Around Gen Con, no one's gonna pay because they're coming. They're saving they up to come here. here.
0: I've seen them work, and it's, it's very harder. difficult. The success rate difficult. is best, way
3: lower. The best way to do GenCon if you have a, if you have like something that's coming up or... is that you just do an email list or you do some type of activation or CTA. Like if you can basically give them a being... uh, call to action. Yeah. So if you give a, if you give away a blank for a blank. Uh, essentially trying to just build that email list up because the three things that you want before you launch a campaign is, is that you want and I call it the pillars of crowdfunding is that you want social media uh, email lists and PR like them both or the, if you don't have them before you launch you work it's really hard and when yeah. you launch
1: you got to make the Biggest
3: splash
1: you possibly Can the first day is <laughs> so far and away the most important
3: yep. thing. I think I think this is a this is a statistic that is seventy five percent true ninety percent of the time. But fifty percent of uh, uh, most funds raised are usually in the first or
0: last day. First day, last first, day, yeah, yeah, first, yeah first, day, first two days, last two days. Last two days.
1: So, so, that period that you set the Kickstarter up for. Yeah. I'm um, assuming that you're doing for like a month.
0: You, yeah, yeah anywhere between thirty to thirty-two days. Thirty-two is max. Yeah. I do it because it ge- it steals a few extra days. But well, Meyer uh, suggests twenty-five. Yeah, worked okay Interesting. From the last one. Well, hmm. I mean, it's Stone They have an
2: audience. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> they don't have a successful to. Successful company, and we can do it in twenty days. Yeah if, you, yeah, if
2: you're established, you can basically do whatever you want. You can do it, it in fun. three a week. <laughs> but actually, if you think yeah. about it, in like a, so, if you launch, a although
0: you want paycheck Tuesday, people,
3: which are your best days to launch because you get the full week out of it. Um, you want to end on a Monday or Tuesday, which means usually doing, like, four weeks. Um, t- that's why 28 days is kind of, like, everyone number, because it's a perfect four weeks. Yeah. Make kind of sure you it. launch in
1: the morning, yeah. because uh, KickTrack... Oh, God, fuck you, KickTrack. <laughs> so, it's a useful tool. <laughs> don't look at it. It's a tool don't it. like. Don't look it at it. it. <laughs> don't look at it. It'll, It'll beat well, you after up. two weeks or so, it gives you enough data that it has some value but Backer a lot of people will look at KickTrack and decide whether or not to fund you based on KickTrack. So is
2: everyone aware of what KickTrack is? Yeah. All right, see, there we go. With someone care to KickTrack? It's kick a track? very
1: simple projection based on your number of pledges and stuff that will give you... If everything continues the exact same way it has for the past X number of days, this is how much money they will have at the end of this day.
3: And the, the challenge with, with KickTrack is, is that it, it is an informed audience that mostly uses kick Track. The casual... Crowdfunder does not even Nobody know exists. what the hell it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for it's mostly, reason. depending yeah. on what your target audience is, if you're if you're looking for like the veteran gamer market or the BGG goers, you want to keep that in mind. But if you have like a casual game or a family game or something like <laughs> that, oh, that to die. So,
0: <laughs> then, then, then just don't fret, don't fear. So, um, yeah, it's a. Bad tool for estimation, actually. Uh, BackerKit did a recent analytics, yeah. um, and it's actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm actually pretty happy with it from what I've seen. Uh, it's a plugin um, for, I know, a plug-in for Chrome, mm. and it allows it does actually a pretty good uh, estimation of what your outcome will be. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So does, does anyone, actually had a data scientist look at it.
2: <laughs> does anyone else have any more questions and about the pre-launch it. phase pre-launch. of a Kickstarter? Just
4: because we talked about burn a lot. Um, what well, how much less expensive is it to do um, ink art, bicycle
0: color? Oh, black. Oh, yeah, it black can and It depends on the artist, yeah. uh, but black and white is always notoriously cheaper. It's there also are... going to be cheaper at print. The problem is that it also. Oh yeah, not, so much more cheaper. At print. The way that it
3: is because color. You know we are we are still toddlers uh, inevitably, and we like to see color, so.
0: Unless you're going for a theme or style. Yeah, yeah. I'd
3: rather invest in, in, in kind of help. <laughs> Even in reds. I'd rather invest in mm-hmm. color and have black, black white pieces uh, than have a bunch of black and white. Uh, again, depending on the project, if you have a style, if you're doing this spent youth, then you're going to stay black yeah. and white forever. Yeah, like yeah, this is a noir book, so mm-hmm. making it black and white noir. made a hell of a lot of sense. But uh, 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 the rule of thumb that I've used in time is that you should have 10% of your art before you launch it. That's not bad. It's
1: yeah.
3: good. You know, If you, have if you know what of 10% of art is, usually you budgeted it by then. <laughs> right. If you spec the project out and you're like, okay, I'm probably going to need 32 pieces of art, then just make sure you've got three to four really good ones. Yeah. Use those as your hero pieces and build all of your graphics around those three or four hero pieces.
0: Yeah, you definitely want major pieces for your Kickstarter. <laughs> yep. And it's really what. God. I really. It's, like it's trained. I know. It's it's kind of, I, um, I think I saw a over here. Did you have a question? was the uh, plugin you used in Chrome? Oh, it was Backerkit. Backerkit had an a- analytics um, uh, add-on for um, Kickstarter. So when you look at a Kickstarter page, it actually just indents down one bit and actually has what its projection is Uh, I'm going to get that they sent it to me well I talk to them a lot because they need to change a lot of things Uh, Um, (laughs) Uh, I'm a product designer
3: (laughs) just so you're aware this happens with a lot of campaigns too is that you decide afterwards you want to use backer kit backer kit depending on which 3% you use will either take 3% or 1% so you need to budget them into your total. goal as oh well yeah. As well as they have a flat fee attached to it as well, um, you know it's really hard to so lose really tight because you know you're losing fifteen percent on you know Kickstarter, told you, credit card, fifteen credit card processing fees, <laughs> and everything else. Get um, and then you're using that other losing that other three to backer kit that yeah. you know
0: <laughs> fifteen.
3: <laughs> it, it can get tough. So and that three <laughs> percent can mean a lot if you're just meeting your goal, okay.
0: you know. So and wow, then backwards. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean Kickstarter. <laughs> it is worth a lot of words. It's worth so, a lot of words. A lot of research. Which is why we're so we're here.
4: still doing pre Kickstarter stuff you were talking about budgeting, so I kinda wanna bring that up. Sure. You know, we're trying to figure out um, what is an acceptable like MSRP. and I've talked to a bunch of manufacturers and right now they're all saying like six times whatever the thing is we're making a mm-hmm. game. Right. So they all recommend six times whatever, you know, the actual production.
0: Yeah, and honestly that was, be, that was gonna be my question. Your minimum should at least be like a multiplier of your base manufacturing costs. Yeah. But again, it's also what is the market willing to accept to pay? Yes. Like for me, the baby bestiary, mm-hmm. I couldn't convince myself to pay more than $25 for the book. Right. Like this was a conversation I had with myself mm-hmm. trying to say like... But you got to scale
3: as a- into it as well too because I mean you only want to pay $25 mm-hmm. but then you also need to make a book that... Has art and shit. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not like you're going to make a 400 page book for $25. I hope you're not. Too. Yeah. Well, that's no.
0: where you start, and that's where like whole stretch goal calculations and figuring out where the incremental expansion of that project goes. And that's why I always reinvest my, my stretch goals into the core product because it's an easy reinvestment and it doesn't sufficiently change the product or the project. I find
4: that a little bit better what you mean by reinvesting in the stretch.
0: Sorry. So, when I have uh, so, like for uh, so to be simple, like for Baby Bestiary Two, um, or even Baby Bestiary One Kickstarter. So what we did is every this was a bad number to do, but every thousand over the goal, we added another piece to the book. A bad number, don't do it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, because art was five hundred dollars, yeah, and the writings uh, wasn't another like be six.
1: Claudia but we made yeah, him a stretch it. goal, and that increased the value of the product as soon as it got over. Yeah, work. you know what? So can we, we actually
0: talk about designing
2: make a new
1: product as a stretch goal?
2: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about designing stretch goals in the pre-phase, because I am oh, yes. staunchly, oh. staunchly anti-stretch goals. I think they're the devil, but they are very important. It's devil. a part of the... yeah. You should have
1: a very concrete rubric of what you want to do, and you need to stick to it. There's this yeah. thing called design scope. We all love what we're doing.
0: Scope creep? We all want to make it as good as <laughs>
4: possible.
1: And that will screw you in the sphincter so many times because you want to do it. You want to make it so good. Oh, you know what? I can eat. I can just throw in eight hours of free work and that becomes 16 and that becomes a week. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, so yeah. Scope creep, scope screep. creep, excuse me, refers to the process of adding, uh, so many and so many more stretch goals that eventually it just Far exceeds what you are actually capable of doing. it's, to use
3: free, it's a freelance contractor term that mostly is not creative. When it's like you set a parameters and of uh, I'm going to do this for this amount of money, and then what scope creep usually is is like, okay, well you did this. Well, hey, you know, could you do this as well too? And then could you do this change orders, too? or you change what the whole project is? And uh, contractors usually have that kind of contracts in place to prevent scope creep because they can say, well, that's not in the SOW scope of work. You know, if it's not in the SOW, I'm not going to do it. Or we have to draft to it. new So you have to do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: like,
3: you are the one who really
1: loves
2: this project. You really need to know what you want at the end, and you really need to stick to it. You need Just, to know what
0: you and your team are capable of. And also deciding. Uh, so, like when you're planning your goal, is it the minimum viable product goal, or is it the what you want goal? Baby, investor added twelve thousand. The book turned out to be 25,000, um, and now I want it to be that. So when I had to launch Volume 2, that book had to be the same as Volume 1. I couldn't go back to 12 Beasts as like a soft softcover. Um, no one would accept a soft cover next to a hardcover book. Um, so now I had to do the second project at the same level. So I had to start with the budget of the first project, and then I was doing a reprint, which was an interesting idea, but it worked out. Um, so I had to have the cost of the reprint and the fulfillment and volume two, all the development. So twenty five thousand plus more shipping and another book reprint. Yeah, that was fun.
3: So uh, to kind of answer your question specifically about when you're trying to price out your products, right? You know, um, it, it's hard. It's, a very, it's actually been one of the hardest things to do because you don't know your print run, right? right mm-hmm. And you don't know your costs. So when he's talking about minimal viable product. Especially with a game like a deck builder, the first thing I would ask is like, look at your component list. The
0: cheapest art I can
3: get. And say and say to yourself, the cheapest okay, color art I can get. Yeah, who's the cheapest artist I can get? Can I cut this by twenty five percent and then stretch that up to what I want? Because I I spec out a lot of deck building games, and the first question I always ask when a developer brings me a deck building game is, what can you do better? You know, what can you get rid of before you can't even play?
0: It's no longer the game. It's no
3: longer the game that you can even play. Because then what you hope to do is get up to that product that, like you said, the product that you want. But just take it, cut it apart, get it down to the price that you're okay with.
0: And then budget the Kickstarter after that and then lay your schedules out on And the benefit to doing that is by having the minimum viable product is then once you start hitting that goal, you can now evaluate what your backer decisions are. Where is your backer distribution? Where are they located? So then you can actually predict more accurately what your, what your true shipping costs and true production costs will be in the end. And so you kind of have to do a second take or a second calculation, like a retake just to see, okay, I have a majority of my back, I have 30% in digital, I have 70 in print. So now I have to say, okay, so I have 500 backers, 350 of them are now print backers. If I'm only ordering a 1,000 books, I only have 700 left, or 650 left. And, I mean, but when you start getting up into the 900s, you know, like, oh, shoot, I have 900 backers that are getting print, I need to start looking at adding, making sure my stretch goal includes Expanding my print run to 1,500 or 2,000.
3: And I'm assuming you want to do more prints of this game as well, too, once it's done, right? Yeah, the idea is you
4: do, like, first edition and then second edition, right? Right.
3: So the idea being that, that especially, this is the one thing whenever people talk to me about, hey, I want to run a Kickstarter campaign, is the first question I said, do you want to start a business? You know, and yes, if that answer is yes, then... What what are you going to do after this is done? How are you going to invest your money into more products? Because if your money is only making enough to get it out there, and you're not overprinting for distribution, and if your product's not priced for (coughs) distribution, then you're screwed. My first book that we put together, I went with a printer, and I didn't abide by that 10% rule. When... We actually got the book into distribution. I lost mm. money on every book that was sold. Oh, right there. Like, I ate, I kid you not, ten goddamn dollars for every single book. Per so
2: unit? Per, per book.
3: book. And it sucked. And so oh. that's just like, you know, oh. we ate it because we needed to move through them, and then the second print run, we got, we, we, got, it. we, got, it. we got a reference to the correct printer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. um you didn't do
0: drive through, or did you? <laughs> no,
3: well, no drive thru is no. That no. This was like this was this was before years
0: ago. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. way before then. Yeah, this was, was like way before good. the rise of POD. actually. Since brought
3: up
1: drive through, I don't. I don't. I did one product where I actually fulfilled physical copy
0: yeah. via drive through
1: at all. Oh, okay. I still gave people, got people access to their physical books. I just gave them print vouchers, mm-hmm. so they pledged to get this print voucher, and then they paid at cost for the books.
0: And when you do that, you have to be very clear about that. I, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> people,
1: you got to be clear about it. But like, yeah, and you're gonna get less backers because people like to know they're getting the physical product. It's all over and done with. But not having to worry. About doing offset print runs and like shipping yeah. it and all that stuff. Oh my God! Vouchers, vouchers backers vouchers. will
0: always prefer to have everything included in the Kickstarter, even though it makes things more difficult for the creator. Right, <laughs> and so I it's
3: because we are we are built in a world of convenience, and and the one thing that the big companies that run the seven digital campaigns have done is is that they have made it so easy to they give the consumer exactly what they want, which you should always do, but when you don't have a big team and when you don't have a big staff, you're essentially eating all of that. Yeah, thing.
2: when you're not like cool mini or not, it's a lot harder to run a cool mini or not a equivalent. Minimum
3: offset for, for any kind of hardcover book,
2: you're looking at 12 13 grand
1: yeah
3: Yeah. That's,
2: just oh, that's a low end.
3: And that's usually, that's why when you go and get it priced out, like you try to price it. And I only spent like four thousand, five thousand that minimum print yeah, run. Kraken, and that is your start. Four we'll six thousand, yeah. Kraken's
0: printing full color at six thousand. Yeah, and you
3: go out if you're just yeah, doing a complete set. Four twenty five a book. Just whatever the cost of this year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Kraken's good. that, that minimal yeah. viable product will always That's help you. Case. Yes, sir. So what happens if, like, your Kickstarter goal is
1: twenty five thousand, and you only raise fifteen thousand? Nothing at that point. Nothing. Kickstarter yeah. doesn't
3: fund. You don't
2: get
1: any is money. If your Kickstarter doesn't fund, you don't get any money.
0: Okay, right, just yeah. yeah, you before, gotta hit that. No invested, no lost. And before you get to that, point, well, the I mean, once you invested, yeah, in, well, I guess you know, yeah, before. advertising. And-, and if you
3: get to that point, because a lot of people actually normally come. So when I when I did run my
0: consulting
3: <laughs> firm, which I no longer do. Um you're uh, <laughs> <coughs> uh, <Small> the, plug. <laughs> Soft plug. Uh, uh, People would always book. come to me, like most of the people who came to me would always come to me like a week after their campaign as well. was like, what can I do?
0: It's too late. And the really? answer
3: is always, it's too late. You know, there's maybe one or two small things that you can do to try to get a bump in there. So if you're ever in a position where you're at the one week mark and you're not 30% past your goal, because I consider that to be like the minimum, like if you, if you aren't at 30%, there's no point. If you're at 30%, well, you can always kind of make some recovery with some extended work. But if you aren't even at 30% by the time you get to your first week, my advice always is cancel it, because a canceled campaign looks better than a failed campaign. You know? Cancel it, message all of your backers and say, hey guys, we learned a lot about learning a Kickstarter, and we'll see you in six months. And then you spend that six months to at go and to try it again.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's even true in the video game industry. Like, when you have a project, you start advertising about that project almost. I mean, unless it's a secret project or you can't talk about it. But, like, almost when you start a project, you should be talking about it. People should know about it. Um, And the reason is it builds people interested into your project. I mean, for artists, this is easy because they share their work and people love it. And that's why I liked the Atlas Animalia project, because I didn't have to advertise it. The artist did, which was great, (laughs) because... People, it's weird when a publisher tries to advertise. It's taken very different than when a creator or an artist advertises. Yes, it's Another, so weird. Another
3: celebration. Another yeah. Reason. Whereas
0: I'm an advertising.
3: Yeah,
1: God forbid my writing is a celebration. So.
3: <laughs> it's not, and it's not a, it's not a bad thing. You are not a bad person for using your your developers if you're a publisher or your artists if you're putting in like an art book and using them as a figurehead for your marketing and advertising mm-hmm. efforts. Because people respond better. Respond to. better to a creative than to a suit.
0: Yeah. Oh I'm God, a suit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was just gonna say plate armor. There
1: are some good places to like price out your your game, like not distributors but manufacturers.
3: Go to the uh, first look. First look. And go talk to all of them. pandas is the most expensive. Uh long packs good. Relatively new, but they're hungry. So they have some good stuff. What was that one? Long pack. And believe it or not, um, actually, a lot of the resources that you see online, a lot of them have lists of manufacturers. The thing is, you'll, you you want to print overseas, print overseas, make sure you have a great broker.
1: Yeah, be ready to wait for stuff to sit around in customs.
3: You waited for the rest of the city of Customs. It's a ninety uh, minimum ninety day turnaround. You know, yeah. actually maximum. six to eight weeks. Put it on a slow boat. Yeah. Unless yeah, so you're don't airship yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Unless you like it's like a Gen
0: Con and you need it and you know that you Oh God! I did that once. That <laughs> was last Airship year, dude. Yeah. I, you I don't remind <laughs> I airshipped my book too. What do you mean by a broker?
3: So a broker is often like so if you have an overseas
0: uh, they' yeah they're typically not unknown because um, usually the printer deals with them directly or they deal with the shipping directly because they're getting the book to you but I from what I understand the broker is literally the person that is setting up the shipment it the cargo sure. shipment
3: they also call them project managers or um, just the English speaking. Uh, facilitator that talks to the plant. Yeah. Some book printers actually literally go through and they and they manage hundreds of projects and they, they work with yours because they get the best deals. Like, I have a broker for my books that, that I don't talk directly with the printer. But I always get the best deals because he usually does... So when, as you know, printing in bulk is always best. And every time you have to change a product, it, it costs money. But if you have... A client like a broker who is printing a hundred thousand of a book, but there are fifteen different projects. You often still get better rates than if you're just one person with one book doing five thousand copies. So sometimes a broker can get you a better deal because he's packing you in with a lot of other projects that he's doing at the same time, and it's one What kind one of percentage time? rates you usually pay to a broker? Say again. What kind of percentage rates you usually? Paying it's to usually broker. hidden. Um, but there, I don't they're usually costs. in the per book fees. Yeah. They're Hidden in the in per book fees. So what you're getting is you're just getting actual
0: costs. Sure. You don't know what they're actually getting. It's so they go further. and negotiate
4: with the manufacturer on your behalf and you yep. actually get a quote from yeah. the world. So
0: when you get a quote, it's from China... Sure. With their fee, with their fee cut sure. attached to it. So, have
4: you had problems then in the past working with direct manufacturers like Panda and Longpack rather than going through a broker? I mean, the, the, the thing with like Panda and
3: Longpack now is most of them are printers. Right. They just have they just have English speaking project managers right. that located are on the state there side now. Yeah. Right. So
4: there isn't a broker element to it. So they're brokering themselves.
0: They're brokering yeah. themselves. Got yeah, more control. Sure. Two people that speak English. But, because, because
3: they, because they, but also because those people in particular know their niche. Like, there's less book printers now and more game printers. There's a lot of book printers who are now doing game manufacturing. And they're usually pretty hungry. They're looking for good business. Yeah. Got a hand over here. Oh, yeah. Is it illegal or improper or immoral if close
1: to your goal to help help yourself get there so you don't lose all the funding? You can't. Kickstarter won't lend you. Yeah. You what if, if you get if caught, if you're, you're in trouble. Oh,
0: uh, if you were to, you'd have to create a separate account under a separate email account. i do a different credit card. Try to do a different credit card or, yeah. yeah it. So it's kind of weird to do so, um, especially since you're paying yourself. So like if... I'm saying if you're close and you don't want to lose all that. I it would depends consider on... Consider it immoral.
3: You know, it's not, it's, not it's, it's kind of shady, it's,
0: but it's not a moral. How much are you willing to do? Yeah. Is it 500 Sure, that would be okay. It's kind of a stretch, but... Yeah, my wife, it's looked down upon. 500 yeah. bucks, so I 4500
1: $4, to develop something. Yeah, I don't think anyone's really losing yeah. there except for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like
0: Yeah, you got to make up for that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, she gets photographs and stuff, but whatever.
0: It's usually looked down upon, uh, generally, because, I mean, they try to prevent you from doing so. Um, Kids but are still getting their money. If yeah, exactly. Um, but if you had to do it to make it fund, I would only do so if you're looking at like the 99th or 98th percentile of funding. Yeah, and, and the problem with that too is because when you're what, usually going to fund on the last 48 hour stretch, right. if you're that mm-hmm. close, anyways, someone's going to dive in, and
3: you're always going to lose 15 percent, man, of whatever you put in. So just, I, it would be better. It's better to go and appeal to the More. three F's again. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't play with the 3F, sorry. I'll just leave it at that. Are, uh, friends, family, and fools. Like, you, those are the first people you always touch on your Kickstarter anyway. So instead of just investing your $500 or 5000 into it, like that's the time in which you go get an email and you just take your contact list and you just BCC everyone and you hit them one more time. Even if you did it yesterday, that's better. Than doing, in my opinion, uh. that's better than just putting other five hundred bucks into it. I know, but if you're talking about desperate measures, at oh, yeah, ninety nine to ninety eight percent.
0: Yeah, I'm, you can probably find someone else who's willing to do it if you advertise in the right places. Did this
3: person cancel their pledge afterwards? Technically, yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Technically, yes. You could cancel like the their pledge or give them a bad credit card number or a credit card number. That's, yeah, there's yeah. ways to go around. It. That, to go that, that would
1: definitely be falling. Oh. Gas that's shady. <laughs>
0: don't do that. But don't do that. I had a, I had a yes, money. the potential is there. Don't do it. Hey, fully, and and there are people, there are groups that are, like, kick-snarker. It's a group of people that judge Kickstarter projects. They will look at the backer data, and there are projects that are like, hey, there's, like, $2,000 unaccounted for here. Where are those? You know, because we can tell how many backers there are, what tiers they're in. Like, the data is there, and if there's, like, a weird one where he put $2,000, huh? What
2: do you mean by tier? Reward tiers. Reward tiers. tiers. So there's, like,
0: a, yeah, backer level.
3: So uh, we talked about the pre campaign. We got into it a little bit. Um, did you have another pre campaign question?
4: Yeah. Is there any, any uh, pre
2: campaign uh, panel?
4: And yeah. the the amount once you
1: yes. actually establish it.
4: So let's say like the, the initial goal was twenty five thousand. At any point you drop? That.
2: Nope. No. 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 Nope. As
1: soon as you launch, all the numbers are stuck where they are. Yeah. yeah. Except you, for pledges. You can change
2: except a, except a pledge. Pledges, you can't change. Only if someone has not backed at that pledge level yes. yet. That's once I mean, once a single person. person is there, it's locked. It's gone. It's gone. Now you personal. can lock out a
0: pledge level. Yeah. yeah but minutes.
4: so staying at dollar amounts that you talked about, is there any kind of metric where they where Kickstarter like gates off or gates you know your content to being. Like their popular ones or their featured ones. Oh, uh, their spotlight thing? Well. So we have someone already who's been like, hey, if you back this, we're going to give you two grand up front already. And we were like, well, I'd whoa, I'd rather, what? it's a family member.
0: Oh, okay. And they're like, Oh,
4: I'd rather, I'd rather you like back the project so that immediately upon launch, we show two know, grand. A two grand in funding Ooh, immediately. Yeah. Like, is there
0: a two grand? Is an interesting one because that's such a large number upfront that it's kind of scary. Large like from shady? a single and, and I mean. donor. Like, I would wait two, with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. or, or cut you it up. Want to like
4: cut it into a bunch of different. Yeah. Cut it up. So, so
0: what you would yeah. do is, I mean, yeah. like yeah. if you were to do that, I would have a pledge level and then increase their pledge amount if they were to do such a thing.
4: What if we just made a pledge amount that said Uncle Frank,
0: and then, like... You could do that. You could do that. You could totally do that. It might go over. And someone could take it, and they would be like, cool. Someone wants to put $2,000 in it, you know? Well, I always
1: get these hero backers, man. Like, I had a dude... Straight up, $1,800 oh, to this. I've never met this guy in my entire freaking life. <laughs> I was like, are you sure that you want to give me this much money? And he was like, yes.
4: <laughs> Zero. Did you call him? And yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I messaged phone him phone immediately. I
1: was like, hey, buddy, I just want to make sure that you did this correctly. Like, you're not going to... Back out. He's like, no. we Every like, project, I look forward to working yeah. with you and all that stuff. Yeah. And honestly man, Uncle Frank. Yeah. So like, if that's, again, if I put them the create family, those, those
3: category, tears. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't have to be on the Kickstarter. Like, take that money. Yeah. Don't eat the fifteen percent on it. Because that's money that you could save the yeah. place the It'd be
0: better to have him yeah. back as a normal person to be in the loop, and then it's like three hundred bucks, and then you give you the extra that's fair. aside. That's yeah. yeah. That's fair. Yeah.
4: That's fair. You know? that's fair. That
0: Does that remind you a check? You. Depends on who you ask. Sure. Well, that's yeah. Right. Depends. For but me no, that's not Twitter even a full Twitter.
4: piece of art <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, That's um, a two thirds Varsity level question uh, I got two successful kickstarters in my belt uh, Good for you but,
0: I mean like seriously congratulations yeah. Not like, like sarcastic
4: um, But I'm, I'm wondering what I can do um, To other than just increase social media presence Get more followers uh, To make future kickstarters Actually profitable Because there's a difference between successful and profitable right. Sell the
1: dream and don't sell the product
0: Well, also, with an increased audience, you can increase your goal amount slightly. Um, So now that you're more experienced on costs, figure out your minimum viable product and build in that $1,000 fee or whatever your value is, $100. And then maybe at the first stretch goal, increase it to $200. Um, So just start building in a fee for yourself for your own work. Um, Also (laughs) press.
3: Is what I would
0: say too, yeah. yeah press if press.
3: you want to do a press so, run or cause, cause hire you a company, done it. Before, or oh you yeah, a couple of ones that are successful. Successful
0: print rest- two thousand, and that'll be oh, yeah. money oh, on the back end. Because if you get into distribution, uh, go to IPR or Golden or all any of those larger uh, distributors. Because what press will do is it'll take you from like hey I got two successful products to like now I have
3: a successful brand. Yep. because what press will do is build your brand.
4: So press is a company, not a generic
3: term. No, it's it's uh, people who cover who cover board games or
2: role playing. Get People anything to people review it and get people yeah. talking. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, I think.
0: That's All right, right, yeah, two minutes. Yeah. So, two minutes. So if you want to come up and say, yeah. ask any personal questions, if you're yeah. not personal, you are questions, welcome but. to email me with <laughs> questions. <laughs> and Stuff Short, later. Orange
1: here.